Hello and welcome to the latest episode of When Sky Invented Football, the beautiful game viewed from the wrong end of a rolled-up fanzine. This time, what should be done in this time of coronavirus about the rest of the Premier League and Football League seasons? Pretty much everyone expects that if pro football does resume, it will be behind closed doors, but... There are all kinds of permutations being attached to that, not least the idea of playing games in neutral venues or even abroad, along with the suggestion that relegation from the Premier League might be scrapped this season and next year's competition may be having 22 or 23 teams in it. A little later, we'll also be talking more about the decision to null and void non-league football from levels 3 to 7, along with women's lower league football and football for people with disabilities. These were decisions, the critics say, that were taken without proper democratic consultation. Let's start though by talking about the Premier League and the Football League and our guest this week is the well-known broadcaster Johnny Gould, top podcaster as well. Johnny, hello, how are you doing? Always a pleasure to be with you, Adrian. And uh, Johnny, what do you reckon then? I mean, it's it's such a tough one, isn't it? We have to recognise people are dying and this is such a cruel, cruel virus. At the same time, if you're not directly and immediately affected by it, if you're a football fan, you'll be thinking, I can't wait for football to start again. It always reminds me of the maxim that Winston Churchill is uh, legendary, supposed to have said that he didn't cancel the arts budget during the Second World War because he believed that if we cancelled the arts budget, one would have to ask, what are we fighting for? You know, we all love our national sport. We love our national game. There's no doubt the Premier League will look quite different when we're all out of lockdown. I don't think we'll appreciate the £19 million a year salary, which is rumoured to be about to be paid to Maurizio Pochettino to take over at Newcastle. We won't appreciate footballers crashing into parked cars after being on benders. Morally, the game will look very, very different when we do come out of lockdown. But the point of the matter is that if it's feasible to play football at uh, limited venues, all neutral ones, maybe at eight or ten, they don't even have to be Premier League venues to play the game, maybe several hundred miles away from both football teams, does, as Paul Barber, the chief executive of Brighton, say, and I agree with him here, takes away the complete integrity of the game. And there is talk of playing these games without the the fear of relegation, which is obviously good news for my team, Aston Villa, as I am a director of the Supporters Trust. But I am in charge of believing in integrity of football. If we have a season where Liverpool won the league asterisk, but we didn't complete the season, then it's simply a case that they didn't win the league. And Aston Villa, by the same token, I believe they should play the season out. We have a game in hand against all our other rivals, though we are second bottom, and it would be ridiculous to relegate us even at the end of a season where we played all our matches at Doncaster Rovers or whatever. Really? So you agree with Paul Barber of Brighton. Paul Barber, the chief executive of Brighton, as you say, he's the one voice that has been outspoken on this and said the idea of neutral venues being used to decide the games is effectively a change in the rules. You are almost literally moving the goalposts and therefore the sporting integrity of the competition would not have been maintained. Yeah, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with him. The, the Football League is, what, 138 years old. And the reason we 
love league football. And the reason why our ideas, which started in the boardroom at Aston Villa, have become so syndicated around the world, not just in football, around the world, in Brazil and Switzerland and Nigeria and Hawaii and wherever you think of football being played. But it's also become the business model of baseball and American football and hockey and ice hockey and lacrosse and anything you mention anywhere. The idea of teams playing home and away against each other across nine months is pretty much the blueprint of professional sport in any team scenario. And we all know what happens to the respect that a competition has when the integrity is taken away from it. Although, Johnny, I would say there is a slight difference here in that clearly these are extreme times and, uh, of course, nothing like this has ever happened before. But then in the course of our lifetime, certainly nothing like the coronavirus pandemic has ever happened before. If matches were played at neutral venues, assuming that that is at all feasible and possible, and I might just draw your attention to a couple of drawbacks to that in a moment, but if it were feasible, then it would be the same for all the competing teams. So at that level, they would literally be playing on a level playing field, even if it wasn't the same playing field that they were playing on previously. Well, you know, the, the, the course of home advantage is then destroyed, playing towards the cop as Liverpool face up to teams, you know, at Anfield will have gone. Teams who played at Anfield and lost will feel that that was unfair. And then, of course, if they play those games at neutral venues and take away the threat of relegation, then the competitive nature of the game is completely destroyed at the wrong end of the table and only concerned with teams who want to qualify for the Europa or Champions League next season. So it creates a scenario where games will be lopsided in competitive terms. I don't care if Aston Villa lose all their games coming up at the end of the season on the proviso that we're not relegated. So the whole integrity, I believe in the integrity of the game. I think that we should be allowed to play football to stay up. If it means neutral venues, then so be it. But I do believe that for the sake of Liverpool's history, for the sake of the integrity of football moving forward, we know what happened to Manchester United and the FA Cup in 1999-2000. After they won the treble, they refused to play in the FA Cup because they were facing up to the World Club Championship. I don't think the FA Cup's ever been the same since. And I do believe that the Premier League, if it's changed like this for whatever reason, and yes, this is a national, an international disaster, if it doesn't stack up, then um, it loses its place in, in, in our folklore. There are practical reasons why playing in neutral venues might not work. I mean, the idea, I guess, is to keep clubs in quarantine and to get a larger number of games played over a shorter period of time than might be possible. And you're keeping your, your medical risk, I suppose, to a minimum by having fewer venues. But on previous episodes of this podcast, we've raised the point that if in any way... Frontline medical staff are seen to be drawn away from the NHS at a time when people are dying from this virus, then football will look very, very selfish and insular in, indeed. There's also the danger that, however remote or unlikely, that a player might contract coronavirus and die as a result, or that maybe a steward would, or that one of the match officials might. And, and at that point, you just have to ask the question, well, we love our football, but can it ever be worth the life 
of one person? And the answer surely is no. You're absolutely right. I mean, these guys sweat buckets playing football. They've got to go in wholehearted. They're going to be breathing and exhaling along the sort of channels where a linesman will be, you know, running the line. I mean, yeah, I mean, social distancing and football are totally incongruous concepts. So there is no doubt that this is a prescient danger, however quarantined the teams are, because, of course, the starting 11 or should we say the 16 or 20 squad members will be together, but not their opposition sides. So there is the fear that we will be relying on herd immunity to save the lives of a poor linesman who gets coughed on or whatever or sweated upon or touched by or, or has, to, has to sort of hand the football back barehanded to, uh, to a player to take a throw in. I mean, it, it, is, it is lethal. But I still believe that however long it takes, and we don't need to rush these things, I do believe in the integrity of football. The European Championship has been postponed for 12 months. So technically, Adrian, we have until about May the 15th 2021 to play this football. Although there will be players at clubs whose contracts have expired and many contracts expire on June the 30th. So anything that goes beyond that, anything that may take a player away from his current squad, you could argue damages the integrity of the competition anyway. It's quite possible that players who are currently available will not be available after that date. I mean, again, is that fair? That, that would lead you to the idea that maybe cancelling the whole thing would be fairer. Let's be absolutely realistic about this. When teams get relegated or teams miss out on the playoffs, only about 10% of their squads are rich pickings in the transfer market. The longer my team don't play football, the more it becomes apparent that we've only really got one player who is of significant value in the transfer market, however long that the football is, is postponed for, and that's Jack Grealish. Six months ago, we had three players who were being eyed up by the major Premier League sides. So it would be the interests of most Premier League footballers, championship footballers, to negotiate some kind of force majeure on their contracts to keep them going either furloughed or playing in some kind of retainer. Uh, because, you know, without being disrespectful, I'm not going to name names, but anyone who isn't Jack Grealish at Aston Villa, you know, anyone who isn't Mohamed Salah at Liverpool, maybe they've got one or two other players who are quite good, but you take my point. They'll be scratching around for, uh, for a living after this because these players rely on fixtures. They're not playing, they're not match fit. That's the other issue about the competitive nature of football. The most beautiful thing about when the games were cancelled was that it's at this time of the season that the cumulative fitness that players build up over the season comes to its summer. So we're going to try and get footballers back to a state of match fitness that they just simply won't be in. That will have been completely evaporated. No running around in circles or pretending to jump in match training programmes compares to match fitness. The rigours, the, the, the mental alertness. Uh, that you require, uh, uh, that is needed in the Premier League. So, listen, the whole thing, it's not just the actual in integrity of where the games are played and who's going to be relegated, who isn't. But the kind of football has changed. 
as well. It's not possible to put the clock back nine weeks to when football was being played. But we have to find a way to end the season. Well, do we? I mean, the clubs, if the season is cancelled, risk losing a substantial slice of broadcasting income. I think that's the, the key driver, I would suggest, for clubs being desperate to play on. There comes a point, I would suggest, I'm not sure we've reached it yet, but there comes a point where the desire to finish the season becomes unseemly and absurd. I take your point about Aston Villa, but there are many players at the upper echelons of the Premier League and better players in the Championship and League One and League Two who will say, look, I'm out of contract, I want to move. It's my right as a worker in this country to get a move. And whatever the, the broader problems with the game, I want that transfer to another club. And if they're out of contract, they're entitled to have that move. So if we're getting towards, I don't know, September, October, and this season hasn't been able to safely resume, then maybe it's time to just say, you know what, like many other industries in this country, football's going to have to cut its losses, it's going to have to adjust, it may mean that some of the businesses that we call football clubs will go by the wayside. I really hope that doesn't happen, but in the way that the government has agreed to issue a massive loan to bail out rugby league, then maybe it could be persuaded to issue a massive loan to to bail out lower levels of, of league football. But I'm just thinking, you know, there comes a point, doesn't there, when the idea that this season can still be considered this season will become irrelevant. And if, if, it, if coronavirus continues to sweep through our country, then there just may be a case for saying, you know what, football's got to know its place. Yeah, I mean, again, the situation does change. Just as the government's decision to unlock us is uh, an open question right now, I think given the Premier League and government's commitment to try to end the season, at least a policy of trying to start it on a given date can at least be moved. So the flag in, in the sand can be perpetually moved forward as it needs to be. I take your point about contracts, but here is an act of God or an act of whoever it might be in making contracts force majeure that actually for the majority of footballers, it would be best any port in a storm. And while obviously uh, time waits for no man and there are considerations about players going home, like for example, Pepe Reina is going back to AC Milan after his loan spell at Aston Villa. He's getting to the end of his career. Players in their mid to late 30s will be looking to retire. Some of them were about to play their last dozen games as professional footballers. It's probably drawing to a close already there. This season they may have played their last game. Brentford Football Club, unbeknown to them, have already played their last game at Griffin Park. So time waits for no man. But I still say that whatever it takes and whatever football clubs look like at the point in the future where they can play, I think that is where we must go because I think that football as a business will be stronger if it tries to maintain the competitive integrity which has been steadily built over generation after generation after generation. And Johnny, if you can, just try and look beyond the self-interest that you have as an Aston Villa fan. But Brighton and Hove Albion, who are a club battling against relegation, have said they don't like the neutral venues option to sort this out. West Ham have indicated as much as well. 
isn't the truth of this that the clubs who don't like the neutral venues option, isn't it the fact that they are the clubs facing relegation and that really they're using it as an excuse to avoid going down back to the championship? I'm not going to be the Aston Villa fan who says the game should be cancelled to avoid relegation. We have a game in hand over the rest of the league uh, at the bottom of the table. I think, I think it's against Sheffield United, which <laughs> is not an easy game this season. But I think we have the right to be able to claim those three points to try and finish fourth bottom at the end of the season. And so I still maintain that even though it's against the interests of my club and it might end us in the championship, I still believe in the competitive integrity. I'm not one of those guys who's just going to vote for the season to be cancelled just because we're at the wrong end of the table. I really do believe in the prospect of Villa trying to survive on merit and Liverpool winning the title without an asterisk next to their name. Remember 2020, guys? The league, the league that Liverpool won that never was? I, I, think that's, I think that's terrible. It really upsets my belief system about football. Well, Johnny, stay there. I want to bring in Jeff Thompson now. I spoke to Jeff on the podcast last week. Jeff is the chairman of South Shields Football Club, and they were one of dozens of clubs, hundreds of clubs perhaps, aggrieved by the decision of the FA to null and void the season at non-league levels three and below. So that's the Southern League, the Northern Premier League and the Isthmian League and the levels below. On this podcast, Jeff was talking about a possible legal challenge to the FA's decision to null and void the season, which he regarded as having been carried out without proper consultation. He regarded it as undemocratic. I've been catching up with Jeff about the latest developments over the last few days. Well, Adrian, obviously we've continued our dialogue with our, with our lawyers. We've also engaged the services of one of the UK's top sports barristers at QC. We've had that advice. And what followed from that is that we've sent further letters to the FA and to the Northern Premier League in the case of South Shields. But similar letters will follow in due course to the other leagues. But the point is we do think there is a strong legal argument to challenge the decision that's been made. So I know that you can't go into specific details about the basis of any potential legal case, but you believe that according to the rules of the Football Association and the rules of the Northern Premier League, if you should choose to take this to court, you would have a proper legal argument to get the null and voiding of the season overturned. Frankly, that's what we're preparing for. So um, not only have I had the conversations I just mentioned with lawyers and, and with the barrister, but we're now planning that next step. We hope it won't be necessary because we've asked both the FA and, and the Northern Premier League chairman to reconsider their position. But, you know, if it's, if it's required, that's exactly what we're going to do. That preparatory work is already underway and we'll wait and see what response we get during the course of next week. Certainly, that's our, that's our intention. And what support have you had from the wider football community and other non-league clubs at your level and below who've also been affected by this? Well, again, Adrian, it's been absolutely fantastic. And certainly, if and rather when, perhaps, we have to take this forward in the way that you've described and, and the way I outlined, well, you know, I'm very confident with the support we're already receiving, not just from... from um, 
hundreds of clubs, but also from thousands of football fans. There's real momentum behind our cause. As I said when we last when we last spoke, you know, there's a bigger issue at stake here than just South Shields Football Club, although clearly that's whom I'm representing, but a much more important principle and, and a lot at stake in terms of the integrity of the pyramid. And as a consequence, I think everybody realises that, you know, we've got, as I say, thousands of fans voicing their support and hundreds of clubs doing the same. I know that initially around 150 clubs signed up uh, to a letter protesting against the decision to null and void the season. Do you have any idea of numbers now of clubs who might be willing to support legal action against the FA? I've maintained contact with that first group throughout this period and they're just as enthusiastic and supportive and the numbers have have risen but you know we haven't gone out and actively tried to recruit other people you know we've tried to put our case forward obviously through the letters to the FA and and to the leagues and we've obviously made comment on social media and through the media generally but I think the next step would be to really start to um, look at recruiting even further support than that that we've already we've already secured. So I'm fully expecting the numbers to increase dramatically over the course of the next week or two. And what's really interesting is that having covered this story originally through the experiences of G Thacker, an ordinary women's footballer at Stourbridge Ladies Football Club, then last week with you, is that now this story does seem to be getting real momentum on social media. So many non-league people who obviously felt that they were on their own, who felt that there was simply no point in fighting this battle, now getting the sense that actually there is an argument that there is something to fight for and that maybe they will have the season at some level reinstated. Yeah, I hope so. And, um, you know, again, I believe, as I've said, that we've got a strong legal argument to that effect and a lot of support. And um, if there's one good thing that's come from this, and I can't think of many, but, you know, you have got this sort of groundswell and this kind of cohesion, if you like, with, with, with lots of people involved in non-league football who feel very strongly about this. And in that sense, it's been good that um, we feel that we've got, you know, collectively a strong voice. And as I keep repeating, a very strong legal argument that we're going to present. Well, Jeff, we'll stay in touch with you. I promise you that. And we'll follow this campaign to the uh, bitter end. Thanks very much indeed for joining us again. Jeff Thompson, chairman of South Shields FC. Thank you, Adrian. That's Jeff Thompson, the chairman of South Shields Football Club. And uh, it just reminds us, Johnny, you know, it isn't all about the the Premier League or even about the the Championship or the Football League. There's a lot of football played and clearly those a lot of non-league clubs are aggrieved by what appears to be a very undemocratic decision to to cancel the season at their level. Oh, it's it's awful. And, you know, at a certain at every single level. Of uh, you know whether you support Liverpool or you know Dulwich Hamlet, whichever level football is a community of sorts, and particularly at the wrong end of the table uh, in the pyramid. I watched um, Sky News the other day, and there was a box pop of various Wraith Rovers fans, and they said, you know, my Saturday doesn't feel the same at all. Tony Incenzo talked about the idea of, you know, going to Queen's Park Rangers as he has done for 45 years. I don't think he's ever missed a game and missing the sort of uh, community that he's so 
you know, he's grown up with, grown old with. And, you know, these things are not about money. It is absolutely essential, I think, to the... I, I really think it is, it, I, you know, we might think football is trivial compared to coronavirus, and indeed it is. But it is, it is the social fabric of our country for so many millions of people. And the idea that football businesses uh, can't survive it because of this, you know, terrible COVID is, is, you know, what are we fighting against if, if society will be weakened for it? We really must find a way at every level and what it, whatever the level is to try and navigate this. If the lower clubs down the pyramid have to cancel their season, that is of great regret to me. But if their perilous situation is different to that of the Manchester United's, Liverpool's, City's, Arsenal's and Everton's, then, then so be it. I saw one statistic saying that Man United and Arsenal and other top Premier League clubs are considering the possibility of no live match day attendances at all next season. That would apparently cost Man United about 110 million quid in match day revenue, 100 million for Arsenal. Sounds like a lot of money, but they can bear it. If you've got clubs lower down the pyramid and Football League clubs I'm talking about in the Championship, League One, League Two. The lower down you go, the further away you get from broadcasting money or the big books of broadcasting money, the more reliant you are on your match day income. And that's where I really fear for the future of football, the less well-off Championship clubs, League One and League Two. One compromise that's been mooted uh, for next season, Johnny, is the idea that the Championship season will be declared over other than for the playoffs so you'd have the teams who are currently third to sixth involved in a playoff semi-final and final situation and that my club West Brom and Leeds would both be automatically promoted to the Premier League so that next year's Premier League might have 22 or even 23 teams is, is that just a cop-out is that a practical compromise it is going back in time isn't it to the late 70s isn't it when the first division was 22 teams. Yeah, well, I think until 1992, wasn't it? Until the start of the Premier League. Yes. It needs to, if they're going to play that game, Adrian, it needs to be 23 teams, uh, which means one team gets a, you know, a, a, a game off every so often. Because if they promote Leeds United and West Bromwich Albion without the third place side, that's so unfair on the six teams, maybe even 10 teams, who think they've got a chance of reaching the top six by the end of the season. So if they're going to do that, they're going to have to bring the playoffs early and then decide whether Leeds United and West Bromwich Albion are the two candidates that uh, deserve the automatic promotion. You know, we know what the championship's like. It seems to me that if you open up that particular can of worms of having a playoff for the final plays, the teams who are just outside the top six in the championship now will think, well, hold on a minute, we've got the right to, to have our say as well. And, you know, I don't know if they'll get litigious about it, but none of these compromises seems particularly enviable. We're going to end up with a situation in the Premier League, in the championship, in the rest of the Football League, a situation that clearly is not ideal, pretty much whatever we do. Yeah, this is someone is going to lose out here in a big way, and I always remember how the playoffs 
were changed in the uh, early 80s because they were so brutal at the start. It was about the team who uh, had finished third bottom in the first division against the team who'd finished third top in the second division. And I always remember a, a really violent situation in the Chelsea Middlesbrough game where Middlesbrough were trying to get promoted and Chelsea were trying to stay up. And it ended up with being a playoff system where all the teams in the lower division competed for that third place, which seemed so much better. And so we have to find a way of getting forward. And I have to say, Adrian, if you know, I know that you're talking about cancelling the season and moving on. I still think a lot of these quandaries will be solved through the nature of competitive football. And as I say, however long it takes, we should battle towards that situation. And if it means that players have moved on or their contracts have been cancelled or, you know, they've taken up fruit picking in East Anglia, you know, whatever it is, uh, we should battle out of this situation and play football when we can start again. Johnny, great to speak to you. Thank you for sharing your time on the When Sky Invented Football podcast. We'll speak again, I'm sure, very, very soon. Thanks very much indeed. It's a pleasure, Adrian. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, don't forget to share the good word on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Goldberg Radio, or if you want to email me, it's goldbergradio at gmail.com. Thanks very much indeed for listening. There are loads of previous episodes to listen to as well, so don't forget to smash that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Cheers. <laughs>